Hi and welcome to the Back to Biz podcast with me, your host, Matt Page. On the Back to Biz podcast, we'll be hosting business owners and entrepreneurs about all sorts of things like how they got started, some great stories from their time as a business owner, and they'll be sharing some tips and tricks with you, the listener, to help you on your journey to business ownership. Hi and welcome to Back to Biz, the podcast with me, your host, Matt Page. Today, I'm very excited to have Aaron Kane of EK Financial Group from Melbourne, Australia on the call today. What I want to do is very quickly introduce to Aaron and then we'll get straight into it and ask him the questions. So Aaron is the director and owner of the family business EK Financial Group in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. Uh, The business was started back in 1987 by his dad. Aaron is the husband to Lee and the father of two, Mila and Max. His passion lies with coaching his clients to achieve great things and realizing their full potential whilst mastering fulfillment in life. He takes great pride in knowing that the work he does with his clients helps ensure their dreams and life goals are achieved. Aaron's been a member of Million Dollar Roundtable, or MDRT, for six years, with three years at top of the table, putting him in the top 1% of financial advisors all around the world. He's been five years sitting on the Victorian Committee for MDRT and with the last two of those being as Victorian Chair. He's also one of the five members on an investment committee with other practice principles in his network and was instrumental to development of a managed account investment solution for their collective businesses and clients. Aaron's got a broad range of expertise across across a wide range of financial planning and mortgage broking areas, including superannuation, investment and retirement planning, insurance, gearing and debt recycling, self-managed super funds and home loans. Aaron is trying to crack the work-life balance formula and believes he almost has it covered, which we'll touch on a little bit longer and more detail soon. He is mostly working four days a week with a round of golf on Fridays, and the weekends are reserved for his family. So please do welcome to me today, Aaron Kane from EK Financial in Melbourne, Australia. G'day, Aaron. How are you today, mate? Good, Matt. I'm well, mate. Thanks for having me. Fantastic to have you here. Hey, look, we've um, introduced you and your business, and I'm sure everyone's really excited and interested to uh, crack into the question. So, shall we get into it? Go ahead. No problem, mate. I'm ready. Cool. So, EK Financial, how did you get into that business and why? Yep. Yep. Cool, mate. Um, simple story. My dad started his business back in 1987. So, I was four years old at the time. And mate, it was just everything I knew when I grew up. So I knew everything about financial advice was all around the house. Um, and I guess I kind of finished school, didn't 100% know what I wanted to do. I think in the back of my mind, I was like, look, probably want to get into what dad does. Mum and dad had a pretty good life and I was growing up. And I, you know, we, we got to go on some holidays. And, you know, dad worked a lot, which was the downside, but I saw what how much of a good life that, you know, he provided for mum and me and my sister. So I thought, well, look, maybe it's something for me. So I guess it kind of made sense when I finished school. I went into doing some finance and accounting subjects um, at TAFE. I didn't really get what I needed to get in university to get a high enough score to go straight in. So I went to TAFE and did that. And then 
And then, yeah, I was kind of just, you know, mucking around and I was a young kid and I was partying a lot and finished TAFE and I was, um, wasn't really doing a lot and sleeping in. So dad just kind of grabbed me and said, all right, come to work. So when I was 21, he, he got me into the office and said, here you go, here's your desk and just started from there. Fantastic. So you are like one of those rare people in this financial services industry who always kind of wanted to do it? Uh, that's it, mate. No, <laughs> not really. Not one really. of those rare ones of second generation. There's a lot of us now. So a yep. lot of the people following their family's footsteps to some degree. But I think it was something cool that my dad built from nothing. And um, I guess for me to have the opportunity to come in here and put my own stamp on it now and maybe evolve it and change it and make it bigger and better, then that was something I love to do. So, yeah, I guess it's um, something that, I guess, his legacy, but now it's kind of my legacy. So. Oh, fantastic. And I was going to ask you what you're doing before this, but you've told us that, so that's fantastic. Well, I left out. I was, mate, when I was partying, I, I did work at Safeway. So Woolworths, yeah. um, the fresh food people, so I was a produce boy, <laughs> stacking shelves for since I was 14, man. First time I could get a job, went out and got a job at 14 and nine months here in, in Melbourne. And um, I was there for five, five years or so. Um, it was a good place to work, man. It was it was cool. Could do part-time hours, still study. And um, actually, when I was doing nothing, I started doing a lot more hours. And I think they tapped me on the shoulder to be more of a manager there and stay on as a career. And I'm like, no, look, I'm, I'm, you know, thank you, but I'm, I'm actually leaving to go to my dad's firm. So. Oh, nice. These would have been busy uh, in COVID times if you had stayed working at a supermarket, I reckon. Yep, definitely, <laughs> mate. A lot more risk as well. So, yeah, those times are long gone now. Fantastic. So, you talked about golf. Um, I know Melbourne, you're in Melbourne, which has been, I think, one of the longest places locked down through COVID. In the world. In the world. So, 200, I can't remember, two, over 250 days or something like that now. So, crazy. nearly a whole year. Um, yep. So how is the golf going and, and have you played lately and, and what's your handicap? And also, the most important yep. thing is where is the best place you've ever played? Okay. My golf is going not too good. I haven't played for probably three months. I think I got oh. a round or two in in between lockdowns. But golf courses have been shut for the last whole last lockdown so far. They only just reopened last week. But you've still got to be within a certain distance from your house. So 15 k's away. Um, if you're more than 15 from your club, you can't play. So my club's about, I play down the National Golf Club, Golf Club. so it's a pretty cool course. There's got four courses um, it's in the peninsula down in Melbourne. So it's about 50 minutes from my house, so way more than 15 k's away. So I can't even play there. Um, so I've been thinking, my, my friend brought an actual golf net the other day, so I'm thinking of maybe getting something like that at home, just hitting into a net, because I'm seriously just thinking about picking up a club Struggling to think how I'm going to hold hold it, but let alone stand over the ball. So, mate, don't know what my game will be like when I get back. Um, I'm playing off 11, so it's probably going to be more like 15 when I get back. And you asked the best place, so probably the best place, um, Pebble Beach. Oh, you played over there. Yep. Yeah. That would be awesome. And was that after MDRT? Yes, it was. It so was. there was a bunch of us. So there was probably 14. 14 of us that went there. So some people from Australia, some from uh, UK. There was um, the Americans as well. So we kind of had teams, Aussies against the Poms in the US. Who won? Cool. It's cool. Mate, oh, I think the US did. Oh, uh, I seriously can't remember. I think we're just... Home ground advantage. It was, um, no, it was an awesome time. Yeah. Fantastic. So just thinking about being able to do something like that again. Oh, it's just, it's just, I don't know if that can even 
happen. <laughs> so hopefully <laughs> soon. We'll get there, I'm sure. We'll get there, yep. Hey, want to talk about work and business a little bit now, yep. I guess. That's what we're here for. Cool. Um, yep. But, um, you know, we all have in business failures or things that we do, which we learn from. So have you, what have you learned from any failures in business you've had and, and how has that made you sort of change the way you do things or adapt things? Cool, mate. No problems. Um, for me, I guess, no particular story about failing, but definitely around mistakes, making mistakes. So... <laughs> I think one of the biggest ones was around clients. So I would try to be everything for everybody um, in the past. So we didn't really have that ideal client built and that niche that we stuck to that was rewarding for us as a, as a business, as in um, how much we love to help people, but financially rewarding too. So probably around the clients, um, we put clients on for the wrong reasons. So just, you know, the idea there is that we were just getting people on board just because we had to get money in. They probably weren't really there, the big believers of our business itself. And they probably didn't perceive the value that we were delivering. So number one will be around clients. So that was probably my biggest mistake, which we've done a lot of work to change now. Number two was probably around pricing. So again, as I mentioned, um, just we, we've always had a really good business, but it was probably to me, my dad's detriment of working. We're very hard workers, so we're very proactive. We'll just work long days, long hours, every day of the week, pretty much. And we did that for years and years. It wasn't sustainable um, and something had to change. So that was probably my second biggest mistake was around not pricing a ride. So we, we were doing well financially, but to do that was a lot of energy burnt from us. So, cause we'd have to do a lot of work and a lot of activity. So getting the pricing right, getting the right clients and and I guess around culture and the team. So third thing's probably around the people in the business, just making sure you don't rush it, get the right people on for the right reasons that are gonna be part of your team, make sure they've got their positions nutted out, they know exactly what they're doing. Um, don't just feel the seat because of the sake of it, make sure there's a genuine need for that person, but make sure that when they're in the business, what you're trying to do is rewarding for them as well. So it's not just, a, we really love to just, I guess, make sure that all our staff have that kind of development plan so they can actually grow in their role as well. Oh, fantastic. So all these three things, clients, pricing, and, and team. And have you changed, um, do you work in a specific niche market now? Mate, so I guess we've got different segments. So we know our ideal clients. So we've probably got two or three main ones. So it's not around how much money people have or whatever, it's around how familiar we are with that type of person. So probably our number one's kind of our like wealth accumulators, we call them, or wealth builders is another word. So they're kind of like similar to myself, you know, probably family people, they've husband, wife, they probably have a couple young kids. They could be in their mid to late thirties, early forties. Um, you know, one and a half incomes, you know, maybe career orientated. So that they're kind of, cause those people we feel that pretty time poor so we like to take a lot of that off them make sure that we're just giving them the right solutions in life but just get them on the right track to start building wealth and managing that type of stuff for them so we usually find with this client we can do quite a lot for them around their lending their, their loans their home loans um, all the way to wealth building protecting for them and their kids that type of thing and, and planning for the kids futures as well so that's probably number one the second one will be kind of the empty nesters where these are our clients that are around that 50, 55, where they're thinking 10 years ahead and going, oh, what is retirement going to look like? Have I done enough in this world to get me 
this far, but what's it going to look like in the next 10 years? Mm-hmm. And you've got 10 years left of work for them probably to make the most of it. These guys have probably got the most money they've ever had because their kids are out of the home or maybe they're not dependent that much anymore, but got some surplus money to actually make things work. So empty nesters and then our retirees. So the, those clients at or around retirement, a year or two, three years away, or they've retired and they're, um, I guess, built up their nest egg that needs to help managing that and just simplify life. So there are more people around wanting to consolidate, make it easier for them, not have so much assets around here and, and just make things a lot easier for them going forward. Oh, fantastic. And you talked about... Um, working really hard and lots of hours and all that sort of stuff and yeah. and now you're trying to i guess in the last year or three trying to be focused on structuring your work day or week um yep. do you follow like an ideal week plan or, or how do you plan your time off yep. and your work time yep cool mate so as i mentioned i used to be doing those fridays uh, sorry saturdays sundays laptop out on the on the bench kids go to bed on a thursday night i've got the laptop out so Biggest thing to help me with that was building a team, um, knowing I had to let go of a lot of tasks and activities and just get the right people around me to help me just do the things that were important. So rather than me doing a lot of the legwork and paperwork and admin, because um, I was a bit of a control freak, love to handle all that stuff myself. So palm that off to people that can do it better than, than me. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people on my team that do a lot of things way better than I can. And I should just be dedicated to seeing clients. And that's allowed me to do, so Mondays, um, typically I don't see clients at all. It's more of a team day. So from the first probably start of the day at 9.30 till 12, it's with teams in team meetings, making sure everyone's set up for the week. Um, Then just kind of making sure the rest of my week's organized and working on some things. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays are my kind of money-making days, your go days. These are the days where I'll see clients, whether it be three a day, five a day, six a day. Try not to do more than five because we get a bit burnt out, Mm -hmm. especially with everything being online with Zoom and um, Teams and so forth. Um, and then Fridays again is probably a non-client day as well, maybe admin, but or golf day. So um, when the weather's good, um, at least weekly, I'm trying to play golf every Friday, usually tail off early in the morning. And but I'll then come back to the office by about one one thirty, maybe do a couple of hours, make sure my week is set up for next week. Mm-hmm. So every time, every before I hit the weekend, every week, my next week's already organised. So all my files are ready. I know what's happening. Um, I don't come in on a Monday going, what have I got on today, tomorrow, next day? It's already already done the week before. And then weekends, traditionally trying not to touch anything work-wise. Yep. Um, sounds, uh, sounds we've got a very similar system there, mate. <laughs> yeah. I think we've probably heard that from some similar people. <laughs> exactly. It's, it, but it is a great system, and I think the reason why is because you can compartmentalize what you're doing, and when you are on those on days or focus days or, or busy days or whatever you call them, you are just 100% focused on that and, and you give all your energy to it and you get better results, yep. I find, than working, you know, 80, 100-hour weeks. Yeah, exactly right. And, like, the good thing, because my wife understands how that week schedule works, that Mondays, like, I'll typically be home early, so I'll probably get home about 4 o'clock today. Mm-hmm. Um, Friday, same thing, mate, 3 to 4, 5 o'clock maybe I'm home. So, But mm-hmm. those Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, which is your focus days, my wife knows if I'll go to a 7 o'clock at night, um, she understands that because they're those three days I do focus on the clients and making sure I've got time for them. Yeah. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you was how many in your team now? Yeah, there's nine. Yep. Nine of us. So we were probably three to five people for the last, you know, 
quite a few years and only in the last two to three years we really ramped up to about nine mm-hmm. uh, we had 10 one one left to, to um, take on some other ventures but um, we're, we're recruiting now so we are looking to get another one back on another associate advisor which is a will be the 10th again so it's a bit to manage but um, I think when we hit about six we really needed to dedicate a role to looking after the people yeah so um, our kind of office managers developed into the HR and operations. So uh, Rebecca, she manages the people. Any issues, complaint, like you know, she talks to them, makes sure everyone's happy in their role, and setting their performance up and their goals and planning and so forth. So I focus on the uh, clients. Oh, fantastic! And uh, is there anything you're currently working on, or anything you're excited about that's coming up in the future? Um, there's, there's probably like here in Australia, a few things have changed for us um, with our licensees. So. Just talking to some like-minded um, other advisors out there that we all kind of work together in some way or another at the moment, whether there's a potential there of sharing more resources. You know, we all pay for the same things in our own way. Can we kind of consolidate that into one and get a few of us to kind of work together to maybe get better deals um, on a better reach, um, buying power between a couple of our groups? Do we do it in a JV kind of formula? Do we... Do we physically merge and more work together? So there's there's a bit of a conversation happening at the moment. Nothing really setting stone yet or any solid mm. news or plans, but um, it's definitely something we're looking into. Oh, fantastic! There's always there's always something on the horizon, eh? Which is cool. Yeah, that's it, mate. Keep you excited. <laughs> Righto. Last one, last important one for me. Well, the most important ones yep. after that. But we ask everybody this, and. I want to know what would be your top two tips for anyone who's maybe thinking about starting a business or who may be in a business and, and maybe in a bit of a rut or struggling. How, how could they get out of it? Okay, cool. Number one for sure is understand your market and what your ideal client looks like. Mm-hmm. So if you're going into something, trying to start a business up, don't just do it off an idea. Make sure you do your research. Um, but make sure when you've got that ideal client, that, that the type of people that need to be involved, don't compromise and make sure you stick to that original plan. Um, if you're usually what would happen is if you, usually cash flow is a big thing for a business. So you probably compromise early just to get money in the, in the door, and get some quick wins on the board. But if they're not right people that you want to be involved in your business, it can give you a lot of headaches later on down the track. It costs you a lot more time, energy, a lot of burnout for yourself cost you a lot more in money. So that's probably number one is around your market and your ideal client. Don't compromise on that. Make sure you understand it and stick to it. Number two would be um, make sure you dedicate time in your diary each week or fortnight to working on the business. So that's probably my Friday or a Monday for me is working on the business, not with the business and with clients. So set goals, work towards them. One of my uh, mentors, early coaches, um, explained to me, look, when you have a client meeting in diary, you dedicate all of your time and energy to that client okay so you're in that meeting like we are today we're conversating we're having a conversation where i'm not looking at my phone or checking emails so i said put that in your diary as a mr and mrs strategy meeting Mm -hmm. so mr and mrs strategy is working on your business so that goes in your diary as a block two hours whatever it might be every second week and you actually get off your desk and go sit in your boardroom or go somewhere quiet and work on the business on something that you have planned so that's probably number two is around the Mr. Mr. Strategy meeting. That's an awesome tip. I've never I've never heard that one, but it, you know, yeah. definitely do things like that. that one, I might take that one for myself and uh, book in a strategy session. 
Yep. But a great tip yep. and great tips for people, whether they're in the business currently or starting up, is to, I guess, know who your client is and who you want to deal with, as yep. well as spend time on yep. the business. So awesome stuff. Definitely. Hey, look, that's pretty much us done. The last thing I just wanted to ask, Aaron, is uh, how do people get in touch with you if they wanted to, if they're one of your niche yep. clients that you've talked about in the Melbourne area and want, a, want, yep. want the best advisor on this podcast today? Um, no problem. In Melbourne. <laughs> in Melbourne. <laughs> Mate, you're Melbourne on right now. Yep. Yeah. Uh, look, it's not just about Melbourne, mate. We we can see clients all around Australia now. We, oh, you know, COVID did one good thing technology wise is, um, mate. I I don't really see many clients face to face, and even before COVID, I wasn't seeing. I was doing a lot of Zoom meetings. So I reckon even when we can go out of lockdowns, ninety percent of clients still still uh, interact with us online. So, but mate, to get in contact with me. Go to my LinkedIn page, just look for Aaron Kane, that's K A N E, website, which I'm sure you can hand out, ekfinancialgroup.com.au, um, or email at Aaron at ekfinancialgroup.com.au. Happy to ask me, help anyone out if you've got any questions about anything I mentioned today. Awesome. And as always, we'll put all of Aaron's contact details in the notes of the show. So if you are wanting to talk to Aaron about anything, he's always up for a chat as long as it's between Monday and Thursday. That's it. All good. Happy to. Hey, look, Aaron, nice and short and sweet, but I think we covered off a whole lot of stuff today. Thank you so much for joining us. It's really appreciated. Um, no worries, Matt. Yeah, and I always always enjoy catching up and having a chat, mate. Thank you, mate. You too. Thanks for having me. Thanks. And we'll talk to you guys yeah. next time. See ya. Aaron, thanks so much for chatting with us today. I really appreciate the time you've taken out of your schedule to uh, inform and, and, and tell us all about what you do and what you get up to in your business. It was great to learn more about your hobbies and your family and also what you're looking to achieve in business in the future. So thanks for following. We've put Aaron's details down in the show notes of this. And always, as always, if you did enjoy the show, uh, please like and subscribe and set those notification bells so you can get notified when the next episode comes out. Again, I'm Matt Page from Back to Biz. I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks.